Heavenly Father, we bless you tonight. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to be in the house of God. Lord, thank you for stirring our soul this evening and reminding us, Lord, that there's only one place that we can be made whole. And it doesn't come from politicians or people. It doesn't come from psychology or popularity. But, oh, God, that wholeness comes from you and you alone. And, Lord, we we surrender our lives to you tonight. And, Lord, we pray that you would speak into us tonight. Lord, we pray for just the manifestation of your spirit tonight. Lord, as we go to the word, Lord, we ask for that anointing to be upon that word. Lord, to bring clarity and hope, to bring deliverance and healing. Lord, to open the eyes of our hearts. Lord, we ask tonight for that anointing. I pray, God, that anointing to preach and to teach as you desire. And, Lord, we all ask for that anointing to hear and receive what the Spirit is speaking tonight. And, Lord, we ask it in the mighty, matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Everybody says amen, amen. So tonight in 2 Timothy chapter 1, we're going to be coming back into this passage where Paul is passing the baton over to Timothy. And what's amazing about this passage, there's actually a, a very strong correlation. As Paul knows his time of departure is at hand, he knows that he needs to leave Timothy with something very critically important. And it's amazing because there's a parallel in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. Because Jesus in those chapters was telling the disciples he's about to go away. But he said, if I go away, I'll send another comforter. There's an amazing parallel between John 14 and 2 Timothy chapter 1. You see, Paul, his son in the faith is Timothy. And he's about to leave. He's about to give his life. Amen. He didn't retire. I want you to know that. Paul did not retire he didn't get a 401k. He didn't go stick his feet in the sand and, 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 you know, have a good time on the beach. He didn't get to retire. He lost his head. He lost his head. Everywhere he went, he, was, he either created revival or there was a riot and they tried to kill him. Amen. I love listening to Brother Wayne's stories about how they were starting churches in certain towns and they would egg them and they would throw rocks at them and tear down the tent and try to, you know, get them arrested and all kinds of things. But, you know, when you preach the truth, the world don't want it. Amen. The world don't want it. But there's always that one lost sheep that'll hear it. Amen. There's always that one lost sheep that'll hear it. And, you know, I love, I love the Apostle Paul. It's just the same way. He wanted, to, he wanted to lay down his life so that Timothy could know and understand what he needs to know in those last days. Now, Timothy here in this passage is, is reminded of something critically important. We're going to begin in verse 6 and 7. But it, I just want you to keep in mind this very much parallels John 14 when, when Jesus said, I'm about to go away, but if I go away, I'm going to send you a comforter, the Holy Ghost. Amen. So Paul said this, this is, remember, this is before he goes away. He said in verse number six, he said, wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
And I want to listen, I want to tell you something about this passage this evening. The first thing is, is that Paul reminds Timothy that there's been a deposit placed in your life. And if you've been saved and somebody's laid hands or you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost, then you know and understand there's a deposit that only God can give you. And that deposit that God gives you is what Paul hearkens back to. And I want to tell you something. In times of crisis and in times of complacency, you need to hearken back to the Holy Ghost. You need to come back and you need to remember that you're not in this alone. When you're going through a crisis, when you're going through a rough time, when you're going through a, a, a dry spell of complacency, when you're going through a season of lack or doubt, when you're going through a season when things don't make sense, I want you to know that God has sent the Holy Ghost so that you're, listen, comforted every day. Amen? But notice this. Notice this. This is in the first century, and Paul had to tell Timothy, you need to stir up what I put in. You don't get the Holy Ghost and just, just gallivant for the rest of your life. You have to do diligence. You have to do the work of cultivating the work of the Holy Ghost in your life. One of the things that we preached on a couple of weeks ago in this church is not to grieve the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen. But it is possible that we do grieve the Holy Ghost. Sometimes we grieve the Holy Ghost through sin. We, we can grieve the Holy Ghost through inaction. We can grieve the Holy Ghost through unbelief. There's lots of ways that we can grieve the Holy Ghost. But Paul here says not to grieve the Holy Ghost, but stir up that gift. The gift is the Holy Ghost. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that the Holy Ghost has been given so that you can profit with all. There's no profiting that's going to happen in your life outside of the influence of the Holy Ghost. If you can profit, come on now, if you can profit in the things of the Lord without being led filled and baptized in the Holy Ghost, you've got a new one over on God. Because 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says the Holy Ghost was given so that you can profit with all. And so one of the problems that we see in the church world today is we believe that we can just keep on, keeping on, press on, keep walking through and not stir up that gift which is inside us. Amen. There's times that you've got to shut that door and you've got to you've got to fall down on your face and you've got to pray in the Holy Ghost and you've got to weep and you've got to cry. Sometimes you might have to fast. You've got to seek out the heart of God and you've got to do due diligence to get that gift stirred up inside you. And I want to give you a word of warning. If you don't if you don't stir up the gift of God in you, who will? Do you really think that the world cares so much about you that they're going to keep that fire lit in you? No. They want to water down the fire in you. They don't want you to raise a hallelujah. They don't want you to lift up holy hands. They don't want you to pray in the Holy Ghost. They don't want you to prophesy. They don't want you to speak in tongues. They don't want you to operate in faith. They don't want you to believe without seeing. They want you to be watered down, timid. They want you to be a coward. They want you to back down. They want you to they want to belittle you and push you down into a corner. But God said, listen to me. God said get stirred up. God said, get stirred up. Do you believe that the apostle Paul is an apostle? Do you believe that the Holy Ghost inspired him to pen these words? If you believe that, then God wants you to get stirred up. 
And if you're not stirred up, it's not God's fault because God still works. God still operates. God's still empowered. God's still on the throne. God still rules and reigns supreme. Every knee still bows. Every tongue's going to confess Jesus is Lord. All power in heaven and earth has still been given to him. He's still given us power to cast out devils, to heal the sick. He's still given us the power to do the things that he's called us to do. But you've got to get stirred up. And I believe with all my heart that the Holy Spirit penned these words through Paul. And so those words get sent to you. Stir up the gift. Amen? Stir up the gift. Now, you might not be baptized in the Holy Ghost yet. Well, you need to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. You've been trying to live it on your own. Amen? God never designed Christianity to be operated without the Holy Ghost. God never designed Christianity to be operated without the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You can't drive a car without gas. Amen. You got those electric cars. You still got to plug it in the wall. Amen. You either got to plug it in or put gas in your car. One way or the other, you got to get something put in it. And you're no different. You've got to get something put in you. You've got to get that Holy Ghost stirred up in you. Amen. That you've got to fan those flames. One of the most important ways that you can fan those flames, you can get stirred up. It says in the book of Jude that we build up ourselves on our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. You've got to pray in the Holy Ghost to get that spirit man stirred up. Amen. You've got to pray in the Holy Ghost to get that spirit man stirred up. And, you know, whenever God stirs you up, there's not a demon on this earth. There's not a person that can stamp out that fire. I mean, people can ridicule you, mock you, spit on you, throw stones at you, talk bad about you. Let's get real for our generation. They can block you on Facebook, right? They can do all kinds of things to you, but it won't stop you. When you've got a fire inside you, greater than the one coming against you. And I want to tell you the reason why some of us have so many problems that we have is because the fire of the world is greater than the one in us. We always preach and prophesy and declare, amen, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And that is a truth, but you've got to get that thing stirred up in you. You've got to get that thing stirred up in you. What would have happened to Timothy had he not gotten stirred up? Amen. Did you know that Timothy became a martyr one day? They had a a, a Mardi Gras parade, basically, to one of the Greek gods. And Timothy, Timothy told him not to do this. Don't get drunk. Don't commit fornication. Don't do it out here in the street. Don't do it publicly. They were having, basically, they were out there on the street just committing all kinds of decadent acts. And Timothy stood in boldness and in the name of Jesus, and he gave his life for the gospel. Amen. And the flesh says, well, that's not pleasant. But the spirit says, and when he was absent from the body, he was present with the Lord. Amen. That's what I want. Amen. This life is short. We just sang it. This life is a vapor. It's here today and it's gone. And when I exit this body, I want to go to glory. Amen. Amen. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to the land of the departed souls. I don't want to go burn for eternity. I want to be in glory with Jesus. Amen. So here's a reality. Paul told Timothy to get stirred up. 
Verse number seven, he said, God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. One of the things that you need to know is unless the Holy Ghost influences you, the world will. Unless the Holy Ghost influences you, the world will. Who influences you tonight? If you're not stirred up in the gifts of the Spirit, if you're not stirred up in the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you, the world is what's influencing you. That's why people dress the way they do, because they're influenced by the world. And that's why these people dress the way they do, because they're influenced by the Holy Ghost. That's why these people talk the way they talk, because they're influenced by the world. And that's why these people talk the way they talk, because they're influenced by the Holy Ghost. That's why these people live the way that they live, because they're influenced by the world. And that's why these people live the way they live, because they're influenced by the Holy Ghost. If you're not influenced by the Holy Ghost, you'll be influenced by the world. And so Paul here, he says, get stirred up. God didn't give you no spirit of fear. Amen. It's going to take courage to live for God in the last days. It's going to take courage to speak truth to authority in the last days. Who's going to be in authority in the last days? Come on, somebody. We know the Antichrist. We know the one world government. And we know their social system is going to be in authority in the last days. And if you don't have courage to live for God now, you ain't going to have courage then. You're going to have to get stirred up to stand up for truth and righteousness for God's glory in these days. Amen. I fully intend on not being here when the, when the Antichrist comes. I fully intend on being partying at the marriage supper of the Lamb, eating and glorying in the beauty of Jesus for seven years. Amen. But if, God forbid, I got to be here, I'm not going to bow my knee down to the Antichrist. Amen. But the reality is, is there's a ratcheting that's going on in the world. And that ratchet is coming down upon the church. And the world is seeking to choke out the life of the church, the joy of the church, the glory of the church. But I want you to know that the church is the body of Jesus. When the apostle Paul, before he was converted, began to persecute the church, Jesus stopped him dead in his tracks on the road to Damascus. And he said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And the reality is, is when the world comes against the church of Jesus Christ, it's coming against Jesus himself. We are his bride. We are his body. We are his children. We are his disciples. We are his emissaries. We are his hands and his feet. In this generation. Now, there's, that comes with a cost. Because if we are his body, I want you to know he's still seeking to save the lost. His mission's not changed. Amen. Just his position. His mission is still the same. He said he came to seek and save the lost. And then he sent the Holy Ghost down. And I promise you the Holy Ghost did not change the mission. The Holy Ghost did not change the mission. The mission is the same as when Jesus came to this earth. He said he came to seek and save the the prostitute. He came to seek and save the drunk, the thief, the tax collector. He came to seek and save the prideful, the homosexual, the adulterer. He came to seek and save the confused. He came to seek and save the sick, the lame, the blind, the leper. He came to save us. He said, I've come to seek and save the lost. 
and his mission has not changed. And if we are truly his hands and his feet, then we will be about his mission. And God did not give his church a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. God did not call us to go cower down in a corner. God didn't call us to back down. God didn't call us to backtrack. God called us to go forward in the name of Jesus, to lift up the banner of Jesus, to preach the cross of Jesus, and to do it in his strength. He said, I didn't give you no spirit of fear. Amen. Those commentaries say that spirit of fear right there is a spirit of cowardice. And I want to tell you right now what we need in the church is we need men and women that have a Holy Ghost backbone. Amen. Some of us, we need a backbone for some things, some of us for others, but we all need a Holy Ghost backbone. Amen. Some of us live in homes where we need to grow a backbone and tell someone else in our home, we ain't doing that no more. We ain't doing that no more. Some of us need to grow a Holy Ghost backbone at our work and say, I ain't doing that no more. Some of us need to get a Holy Ghost backbone at school and say, I'm not talking about that stuff no more. I'm not doing those things anymore. I'm not going those places anymore. I'm living for the Lord. I'm going to let His light shine. I'm going to live for His glory. I'm going to let His Spirit flow through me. I'm going to get stirred up, and I've not been given a spirit of fear. Amen? But a power, love, and a sound mind. Amen. I thank God he didn't give me a spirit of fear. But if I don't get stirred up, guess what happens? Guess I better not say that. Guess I better not do that. Amen. That spirit of fear will come upon you when you're not stirred up in the Holy Ghost. Amen. And you want to know why so many people in the church aren't having a backbone in the hour that we live in? It's because we're not operating in the power of the Holy Ghost. Many people have denied the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but I'm telling you, come on, somebody, in the last days, you're going to need Pentecost. Your life will depend upon it. Your life will depend upon it. Listen to what Paul tells Timothy. Listen to what Paul tells him. If you don't get this stirred up, you're going to be a coward. You're going to deny, amen, Jesus. You're going to deny the faith. You're going to fall when you should stand. Amen. So God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Now, I want to break that down for you just a little bit about power, love, and a sound mind. Number one, the power there is an anointing. You see, God gives us an, a, a power and anointing to do what we cannot do. There was so many chains on my life, I couldn't get myself out of a wet paper bag. I remember whenever I gave my life to the Lord, I said, Lord, I keep running into the ditch. I keep wrecking this thing. I'm tired of running this thing. I surrender this thing over to you. And when I surrendered this thing over to God, a power greater than me came upon me and broke every shackle, broke every chain. It was an anointing that God gave me that set me free. 
just like God sent Moses over there to Egypt and he said, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. I want to tell you, God hasn't changed. If you're in bondage, I want to tell you there's a power at the cross. There's a power in the Holy Ghost that'll set every captive free. I don't care how long you've been in bondage to pornography. I don't care how long you've been in bondage to drugs. I don't care how long you've been in bondage to alcohol or shame or guilt. I want you to know there is a shackle-breaking power at work in the church today. It's the anointing that comes from the Holy Ghost. And God gives it to us. He said, I didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power. Amen. I thank God for the wonder-working power. Amen. Amen. He still works wonders. Some of us in here today are living testimonies about the wonder-working power of the blood. Amen. Amen. We are living testimonies of the wonder-working power. But I want to tell you, if you find yourself in the last days in a place of bondage, because that's where the devil wants you. If you find yourself shackled in. If you find yourself shut in, if you find yourself pressed in, if you find yourself pressed down, I want you to know that God still does wonder-working power. You don't need to go to a seminar to get set free. You don't need to buy somebody's book to get freedom. You don't need to go to a conference. You don't need a certain evangelist. You don't need a certain missionary. You need the Holy Ghost. God gave you power to be free in the Holy Ghost. And that freedom, come on somebody, that freedom is available if you'll get stirred up. If you'll get stirred up, that freedom's available. Amen. Amen. We used to be shackled beneath what? Guilt and shame. But it ain't like that no more. But if the devil has his way, he'll put those shackles right back on you. If the devil has his way, he'll put those shackles back on you. I imagine he just sits back sometimes and he watches. He say, yeah, you lift holy hands today. I'll get you tonight. You lift holy hands in church tonight. I'll get you later. He'll bring that guilt. He'll bring that shame. He'll bring that ridicule, and he'll box you back in. But you know what? The Holy Ghost works at your home just like he works in this church. And the same Holy Ghost that's in me is the same Holy Ghost that can be in you. Amen. Jesus said if he goes away, he would give that Holy Ghost to his people, to the church. And notice, he said, the spirit that's been given to us is a power, love, and a sound mind. The power there is zeal and ability. It's not of our own. It's not of our own. There's a power in me that's not me. If you're still operating in your own strength, you don't know the power of God yet. Amen. God gives us, I call it sea legs. You know, sometimes they say whenever people go out in the water for so long, they they really don't know how to stand too well. You know, sometimes you get under a lot, a big load, you just can't handle it. And sometimes if you're not, listen, if you're not staying stirred up, if you're not staying prayed up, if you're not staying filled up, God will let you get weak. I talked about it this morning about that lifeguard. That lifeguard will sit there and, and wait on someone to get almost drowned before they go get them. He waits till they're out of strength. You know, some of us in here, we've been too strong. We've been strong in our own strength. Don't make God wait you out. 
Come on, somebody. Don't make God weigh you out till you go, okay, I give up. And the Lord says, okay, now I got somebody. Now I got somebody. You know, God loves you, and he wants to give you this, this spirit of power. Amen. But it won't rival your own. You've got to come to the end of self. Paul never found the power of God until he came to the end of himself. God sent a thorn in his flesh, and Paul prayed three times. He said, Lord, let this thing pass. Lord, take it away. And God denied it, and God told him in his weakness that God's strength was made perfect. You know, sometimes we, we, we don't know why we're going through certain things, but you need to know more than I want you to be strong in the Lord, God wants you to be strong in the Lord. Amen. God wants to send you help. And if he's got to make you weak to get it, he'll do it. That don't get a lot of hallelujahs right there, but it's the truth. Paul lived it. He had that thorn in the flesh, and people debate what that thorn, what was the thorn, what was the thorn? Well, what's the point of the thorn? The point of the thorn was to buffet his flesh so that he would depend on the power of God. That was the point of it. No matter what it was, what's the point of it? And it got him to the point to where he cried out to God and leaned on the power of God and sought out the power of God. And here, before he's about to leave, he imparts this wisdom to Timothy and he says, get stirred up in the Holy Ghost. Listen to him. And he says, God's given you this power. The second thing he says, he gave you a, a, this uh he didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. The love here, I want you to know something. Love will make you whole. Oh, church. Oh, church. Love will make you whole. Talked about the woman with the issue of blood. Do you know that Jesus didn't swat her away? Do you know that Jesus didn't have her stoned? Love made her whole. Oh, and there was a woman that was caught in the very act of adultery, and they threw her down at the feet of Jesus, and they literally said, here's the rocks. Let's kill her. But love made her whole. Love made her whole. See, the Spirit of God, you need to know this, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God's desire is to save. Amen. God's desire is to save and to make people whole. If they reject such a great gospel, they will burn in God's eternal fire. But listen, God's desire is that none would perish. God desires none to perish. He wants everyone to be saved. We not Calvinist in this church. God wants everybody to be saved. He created none for the fiery furnace. That fiery furnace was for the devil and his demons. But God created you to live with him in glory. And that woman that was caught in adultery, they threw her down at the feet of Jesus and he had every lawful right to have her stoned. But there wasn't a legal person there to throw the first stone. And Jesus said he didn't condemn her. Amen? But he did tell her, don't go sin no more. Amen? 
God said, look, if you come to the cross, I'll set you free. If you come to the cross, I'll give you forgiveness. If you come to the cross, I'll cleanse you and make you whole. But don't you think that you can use grace as a license to sin? When God extends that grace and he extends that mercy and he's offering you an opportunity to be cleansed, to be set free, to be made whole, it comes with a cost that your heart belongs to him from now on. Amen. He said you can't serve two masters. You will love the one and hate the other. Amen. And and the world has always been in opposition to our God. You can't serve God in the world. Amen. Sometimes we need to know and understand that, that, that people today, they need to get healed in the heart. You look at people and you say, man, they are crazy. They are so messed up. Jesus didn't do that with that woman caught in adultery. He gave her the cross. He gave her new life. Amen? I want you to know our message to the world is that God is offering you reconciliation. God is reconciling the world to himself through the sacrifice of his own son. This is the gospel. This is love. Jesus said, greater love knows no man than this, that you lay down your life for another. And you know what? Jesus laid down his life for you, not only to be forgiven, but to be made whole. Love makes people whole. See, the other thing about that, I told you that that Jesus told her to go and sin no more. It's because her heart needed to belong to him. And the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. See, you can't do that when you've got competing gods. When you're still trying to please the world. When you're still trying to fulfill the desires of the world. I told you earlier, if you're influenced by the world, come on now. You're on this side, but if you're influenced by the Holy Ghost, you're on this side. And you can't properly say that you love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength while the world is the one influencing you. Love. Jesus came to set you free and make you whole. And I want you to know that you've not done something so bad that you can't receive the love of God. You need to know that. You've not done something so bad that you can't receive the love of God. You might say, but I failed him. And Peter denied Jesus three times. At least you didn't do that, I don't think. I mean, literally, he denied Jesus. And yet God forgave him. And God saved him. And God filled him with the Holy Ghost. And God used him on the day of Pentecost to preach the first message to the Jews, not in a church building, not in a synagogue, but on the street corner. And that same Peter that denied Jesus three times, God used to preach the first message to the Gentiles in Cornelius' house. Just because you failed in the past don't mean God can't do something with you. 
probably the two greatest was Paul and Peter. Paul was having Christians put in prison and killing them, and Peter denied Jesus three times. And those two men, God used as much as anyone else in the whole New Testament. What can God do in you? It all depends on if the Holy Ghost is influencing you. It all depends on if the Holy Ghost is influencing you. So there's love, that heart, that that integrity. I want you to know there's something that the church needs today. It is integrity. People shouldn't have to worry if you'll do the right thing when nobody's watching. People shouldn't have to worry that you'll do the right thing even if nobody else ever finds out about it. You get somebody, grab your phone, you start deleting stuff. Maybe you just didn't want want them to see, you know, some diary or something, but it looks bad, don't it? But integrity, integrity, come on, somebody. Integrity is something the church needs. They need to know you're going to do the right thing no matter what, even even if nobody's watching, even if nobody's around. One famous evangelist said, integrity is what you do in a hotel room when you're thousands of miles away from your family. Integrity is what you do when nobody's watching. Amen. Integrity does the right thing even when nobody's around. Amen. Integrity lives above board. And it's only the spirit of love that can do that in you. Only the spirit of love can create that wholeness to bring integrity into your life. One last thing about this spirit of love that I want you to know is that God didn't call you to get even with nobody. What? God did not call you to get even with nobody. God said vengeance belongs to him. That's what he said. He said, love them. He said, forgive them. Amen. He said, turn the other cheek. Go the extra mile. Pray for them. But even if they use me and abuse me, pray for them. You know what? God didn't call you to get even with nobody, but he called you to pray that they get saved. Amen. You want to get even with them. You want to trip and make them fall so you can can laugh at them like they laughed at you. God didn't call you to that mess. That's what the world does. That's what the flesh does. But what the Spirit of God does is seek their soul to be saved. That's what the Spirit of God does. This last one I want to touch on tonight is the sound mind. And the the reality here in this, this part is so many people need a sound mind. Various reasons. You know that it says in the book of James that a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. Oh, man. That right there will preach on it. Yeah, James said it, but the Holy Ghost authored it. And he said, you know, a double-minded person is somebody that on one day, oh, they're blessed and highly favored. God's good, and on another day, they're, you know, over here listening and doing things of the world. A double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. You don't even know whether you're coming or going when you're double-minded. You don't even know what you're doing when you're double-minded. 
A double-minded person knows they need to get to the Lord. They know that God is God, but they also have this strong pull from the world. It's a double-minded person. You see, God didn't give us a double mind. God said he gave us a sound mind. When the Holy Ghost is in operation in your life, God will give you a sound mind. Now, the sound here does not mean the sound that comes from a speaker like we got in trouble with from the city. But the soundness here is, means wholeness. It means solid. It means impeccable, right? It's, it's, it's sound. It ain't going to move. I think, I think you could stand on this pulpit. It's sound. I know who built it. Oh, Brother Free, he built this thing. Amen. It's sound. And you know what? Your mind, by the power of the Holy Ghost, is supposed to be the same way. It's supposed to be sound. What about when the lies come? You got a sound mind. What about when the doubts and the fears come? You got a sound mind. You see, one of the things that we need in the church today is a sound mind. There's two different things I want to talk about on this. Number one, you're either going to operate in the mind of the spirit or you're going to operate in the mind of the flesh. No matter what you look at, you're either going to look at it through the lens of the carnal or through the lens of the spirit. And we already learned this morning that the carnal mind is death. But the spiritual mind is life and peace. Many people look at a problem carnally. Many people look at it spiritually. How do you look at it? I don't want to tell you something. The carnal mind will reason. See, whenever Peter was in that boat and Jesus was walking on the water and Jesus said to Peter, I bid you come on out. The carnal mind reasons. I can't walk on water. I'm not you, Jesus. The carnal mind reasons. The spiritual mind believes. Peter operated in both. He vacillated. He was double-minded, he got unstable, and he began to sink. In one moment, he began to operate in faith, believing the Lord, but when the wind and the waves began to rock a little bit, he began to look, and he began to reason, and he began to doubt, and he began to sink. And I want to tell you, that's very, that's very characteristic for how many people live their lives. They look at something with the spiritual lens while it's rosy, while it's beautiful, while, while it's sunshiny, but you let the dark clouds come, you let the thunder clap, you let the enemy press down upon you, and you start reasoning, you start doubting, you start fearing, and you start figuring how to do it in your flesh. And I want to tell you something. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. Sound mind. People today need a sound mind more than ever. You're either going to operate in faith or you're going to operate in reason. Amen? It's not reasonable for that woman with the issue of blood to press through the crowd and touch the hem of Jesus' garment. Reason says they'll kill you. Faith says I'll be made whole. Think about it. Reason says they'll kill you. Faith says, I'll be made whole. Which is it for you? Which is it for you? One of, the, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Naaman. He was a, 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 a ruler. And he got leprosy. And one of the Jewish girls that was there 
They said, oh, that a prophet of Jehovah was here. And once he started learning about this Jehovah God, this Jesus, once, once Naaman started learning about this Jesus, this Jehovah God, he went to Israel and he sought out a prophet. He wanted to get made whole. How many of you know when you've got something wrong, you want to get whole? He comes up, knocks on Elijah's door. Here I am. Make me whole. You know what Elijah tells him? Go over there to that dirty water. Dip in it seven times. Do you know that Elijah probably had the anointing in his life to snap his fingers and that man be made whole? But God was testing Naaman's heart. God was trying his heart. And Naaman, in the first moment, he began to reason. Ah, if this man was truly a prophet, he'd snap his fingers, I'd be made whole. And he began to get angry. How many of you have been bitter or angry because God didn't move when or how you wanted God to move? This don't make sense. Why can't we just snap our fingers and do it? Why I got to go dip in the water? God didn't ask nobody else to go dip in the water seven times. Why me? This is reason. This is the carnal mind. I don't see God asking nobody else to do what he's asking me to do. Why me? Stop reasoning. Stop operating in a carnal mind. Ask the Lord to make you whole. Ask the Lord to renew you, to pour out the Spirit afresh in your life, that you not operate in that carnal mind and miss a move of God. Naaman came a hair's breadth away from missing the healing of his life. But one of his servants had the audacity to say, if he would have asked a lesser thing, you would have done it, or a greater thing, right? And he talked Naaman into going into the water and believing God. And when Naaman came out, he was whole. Because after he had a, a, a Barnabas, after he had a son of encouragement there to say, just do what God said to do. How many of you know you need some of those people in your life? If you need one of those people, I'll be that people for you, right? Just do what God told you to do. <laughs> And, and, and when Naaman heard that, he said, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. You're right. I mean, you know, sometimes we need somebody to shake us up. Amen. I, I, I thank God that I have pastors and men of God in my life that can shake me up. Amen. Don't ever think you're above getting shook up. Amen. And sometimes we need that hard word to kind of shake us out of our carnal reasoning that we're doing. And Naaman said, you know what? You're right. You're right. I just need to believe that prophet. I need to believe that word of God. I need to believe that word that came from Jehovah. And he went down in that water and he came up a different way. And you know what? I love that. I love that. He went down in that water one way, but he came out a different way. That reminds me of how we come to that altar. Amen. Sometimes we come to that altar one way, but we come up a different way. Amen. 
Don't let reason get in the way. Believe. Believe. God didn't give you anything else except for that spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. One of the things I want to share with you in, in this passage is that a, the, the carnal mind will always look to reason above what God has said. Listen to that. The carnal mind always looks to reason above what God says. Many people will acknowledge what God says, but they'll look to reason above it. You, got, you don't have to look further than the book of Genesis. Chapter 3, Eve. Right? That serpent said, had God said, he just don't want you to have that good fruit. Eve reasons. Well, guess you're right. She believed reason above what God said. You know, a lot of people will acknowledge, well, yeah, I know that the Bible says that, but you don't know what they did to me. I know that the Bible says that, but you don't know what I'm going through. I know that the Bible says that, but you don't know what the storm of life I'm living through is. You don't know the hell that I'm living in. Well, I don't. I'm not in your shoes. I don't. But I know who calms the storm. The same God that calms my storm is the same God that calms yours. And He don't change. He does it the same way as He always has. And He loves you just as much as He loves me. And He didn't give you that spirit of being a coward. Stop being a coward. Be who God made you to be. God didn't make you to be someone who runs away from what God wants you to be. God saved you and God sent you the Holy Spirit so that you can be whole. So that you can be free. And so that you can have a sound mind. Amen. God came to make you whole. To set you free and give you a sound mind. Tonight, I want you to know God wants to give you that sound mind. Tonight. Tonight, God wants to give you a sound mind. Would you trust God tonight? Would you trust God tonight? Every thought, every thought must be put in subjection to Jesus. If you have a thought and you're not subjecting it to the authority of Jesus, to the dominion of Jesus, if you're not subjecting your thoughts to the glory of Jesus, then you're operating in error and you're not experiencing the freedom, the wholeness, and the soundness that God has for you. I want you to look at this pulpit. I told you I could stand on it probably. I believe Brother Free didn't miss a nail. It's sound. But I know God didn't miss a nail. He'll give you a sound mind. And only God knows what's going to be coming against your mind and your heart in these days. Only God knows the battle that you're in, or even in this moment. Only God knows the thoughts that Satan will send to you. And I want to tell you how you take up that shield of faith and quench every fiery dart. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost in you. Stir up the gift of the Holy Ghost in you and let that sound mind begin to operate. Amen.
Amen. We want to give you an opportunity to come to the Lord just like Naaman. He, he went into that water one way and he came out another way because he finally trusted God. And tonight, if that's you and you, you want to come down just like Naaman did and get cleansed, I want you to know God will make you whole tonight. Amen. Father, we bless you tonight. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be in the house of God. Lord, thank you for the Spirit of God moving. Thank you for the Spirit of God speaking. Lord, we pray. Lord, if there's somebody in here that doesn't have that power, that anointing in their life, Lord, I pray that you would unshackle them, that you would set the captive free. If there's somebody in here, Lord, that hasn't truly experienced the overwhelming love that you have, God, if they've not been made whole, Lord, I pray tonight would be the night that wholeness would begin. Lord, if there's someone in here that's double-minded, vacillating, unbelieving, reasoning with the carnal, Lord, I pray that soundness would come to their mind tonight as they give themselves to you afresh. If God is speaking to you tonight, I want to give you an opportunity to come to him. Come to these altars and meet with Jesus. And I believe that Jesus will send that comforter to you tonight. And if you want me to pray with you, I'll pray with you in the middle. Lord, touch the hearts that come. Restore, revive, refresh, renew each soul that comes, oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen.